Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the call on AusBiz TV, of course, Australia's own live, uh, only live coverage of uh, markets and business news every trading day and of course between midday and 1pm it is time for the call where you send us the stocks that you want us to take a look at we put them to our expert panel and uh, 10 stocks two experts 60 minutes we get through them no fuss uh, and you certainly get the good oil here and joining us today is Julia Lee from Berman Invest as part of our panel Julia welcome back good to see you See you. Thanks, Dave. And we've got Mark Morland from uh, Team Invest Private. Mark, welcome to uh, Ausbiz in person this time. That's we've, right. We've that's crossed right. you yeah. a few times on Skype over the last week yeah. or two. That's right. But good to have you in the yeah. studio Thank here. You. Glad to be here. Here at Brangaroo Studios. So, got an interesting group of stocks that you've sent uh, sent us through for our opinions uh, today. Where we're going to look at retail. We're going to look at gambling. We're going to look at health. We're going to look at death. So we are covering the entire gamut. So let's get stuck into the first of our 10 stocks. And uh, Mark, um, a sort of darling of the markets or, or the online retail business, um, a real tra- trailblazer here, Russell Kogan's Kogan Group. Yeah. Um, what do you think of them? Well, I think he's a uh, fantastic entrepreneur. He's, yeah. You know, he really has built a, I think the market cap's over 600 million now. So he's built that. That from scratch, which is really impressive. In fact, you could argue he's like um, uh, the Australian version of Amazon, and I think that's what he's tried to do. Because yeah. if you look at the the number of areas he's gone into, it's quite amazing actually that he's uh, been in able everything to do from pet insurance it, to travel yeah, to, to all his all his okay. own branded goods and yes. um, and so food yep. Yep. <laughs> as well. So uh, I think um, it's a very interesting business. It's only got three years history. So from a team invest point of view, we always have an absolute minimum of four. Right. Um, it passes uh, most of our metrics. Got a very good return on equity, thirty three percent a year, which is outstanding. And his uh, his growth has been uh, reasonably good. It's growing at about ten percent a year, uh, roughly at the moment earnings. Uh, the only uh, and it's got no debt, effectively zero debt, uh, which is good. So from a team invest point of view, we'd need another year at least before we would right. look at it. But but at the moment, uh, it passes all of our metrics apart from yeah. it hasn't got enough history for us to be confident because we want to see the proof in the pudding. Right. Okay. Uh, the only other thing I'd say is the PE ratio is very high. It's on. 32 times, which yep. you know, hasn't come off that much. It peaked at about 66 in 2018, but in the last 12 months, it's been as high as been 40 in the low 17. Yep. Uh, so for and me, it's had, if, yep. it's had a pretty good bounce back. In it the has last had a very good bounce back. That's right. So the, prob- the problem with that is it just means that um, I would be very cautious about uh, jumping into it if I was I wanted to invest it, even if I like it going forward, because I think. I think it's too soon. Right. You know, the market's had a real comeback, but we haven't yep. really had the economic effect yet. Yep. Yeah. So my view is that we're going to have another big yep. uh, decline, in which case, if you like Hogan, I mean, it's 
it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it looks like he's going to do very well over right. the long term. And so, this, these environments should be good for him. Oh, yeah, because I've just got to say, Julia, he, he was basically the original online retailing disruptor, wasn't he? He, was, he got ahead of the curve. And when you look at what retail is going through now and what it may come back as, will this set him up to, uh, to succeed even more? I mean, what a fantastic setup for Kogan. We're stuck at home, we can't go to the shops, <laughs> and it's all about online. And when you look at the retailing space, you can divide them up into the ones that are thriving and the ones that are struggling to survive. And Kogan would be in the thriving area. We're working from home, we need our monitors, our keyboards, our entertainment systems. For the gamers, they need their fancy monitors and their equipment. And look, Kogan's a beneficiary of that. One of the things it does really well, um, and if you compare it to something like Amazon, which is also an online platform, is that it has its own, uh, it has its own brand. And the beauty of having its own brand is higher margins, um, which is great for a business like Kogan. But then it also has its marketplace as well. So the possibility for growth um, and, and to capitalize um, off that great platform it has as well as its user base. So look, I think Kogan is thriving. I also think that longer term, structurally, that structural trend that we've seen, the clicks to, uh, for the bricks to clicks, that's just going to accelerate given that we're getting really used to online shopping and that's going to be uh, good for companies like Kogan, which are already so far ahead in terms of that online space. Okay, um, as Mark was saying, no debt, which is a plus. High earnings per share. Um, Russell is a, is a great entrepreneur. Is there a good management team to back him up? Look, I think he's proven that he does have um, plenty of ideas. They've been going into a lot of different areas. But I think the strong thing is that, that online platform and that user base that they, they can then leverage off. One of the key risks here was the supply chain, um, given what we saw from China in January and February. But it does look like China's back in production and it doesn't look like there's a huge uh, weight in terms of the goods. So that's a positive for Kogan. And look, I think it is going to thrive in the type of shutdown, lockdown environment that we're in. And I think we will see an acceleration of that trend moving to online sales. Even at this price? I like it. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, look, if you have a look at price to earnings ratio, it's... <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you have a look at the price to earnings ratio, it's a historical measure. So as long as sales are growing, the business is growing, that price to earnings ratio comes down very quickly over the next few years, as long as you have that growth. The problem right. is if that growth doesn't materialize and in... For Kogan, I think that it is still in the growth phase, so you'd expect that higher mm. PE ratio. Yep. All right, so tick from Julia. Let me put it as a dash from Mark because it passes a lot of your metrics but hasn't been going long well, enough. That, that's all it is. So that doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, yeah, it just yeah. means we, we're, we're a rules-based business and we do yeah. that to uh, help members to avoid mistakes. Right. It doesn't okay. mean that it won't do really well. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. I wouldn't gotcha. say it's a negative. Just not yep. enough history for us. Sure. All right, let's go on to our second stock. Uh, Julia, we'll kick off with you on this one. IDP Education. It's sort of in, in that student placement business, isn't it? Which, which sounds good. Sort of education's one of our biggest exports here in Australia now, but uh, going through a few wrinkles at the moment. 
We forget that education is our fourth largest export, so it is a big area for Australia. Unfortunately, with COVID-19 and the lockdowns, it means that it's a business that will come under pressure this financial year as well as next financial year. And look, the thing I'm watching here is that if we have a look at big educational institutions around the globe, famous places like Harvard, they're really starting to change the way they deliver courses. In fact, online learning is becoming a big thing during this crisis. So I think that trend is set to continue. And if you were a student and you could you know, do an online course at Harvard and get the qualifications, you'd probably end up going there rather than to one of the great Australian universities here. So look, mm. I think structurally it's going to be uh, under pressure. I think there's going to be extra competition from that online space. And look, I think the next 12 months are going to be pretty tough for IDP education. So probably a miss from me. Yeah. And Mark, this is what this whole pandemic has done, isn't it? It's just Absolutely. going to structurally change so many sectors in a big way very quickly. Yeah. And it, and it was very hard to predict exactly yeah. what will happen. I think I agree with Julia. I think uh, IDP is going to have a very tough uh, next 12 months. It has some advantages. It's, it's got a... Um, uh, 14 universities are major shareholders in it internationally, so so it's got a captured audience, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, but obviously, with the uh, uh, the inability of people to travel and a lot of their businesses, people coming in here in the UK and so on, two-place universities, so they're teaching English skills and yeah. certifying uh, English qualifications. Yeah. So that's going to get smashed. Yeah. Now that uh, that doesn't scare us. Uh, we've actually done a, a full analysis on. Um, um, IEL it came out in, in um, last uh, September yep. and uh, interestingly the the view was that um, the moats were quite good you know for the business it passes all our financial metrics on historical uh, measures the problem is it's exactly what Julia said is that their earnings are going to get uh, whacked big yep. time uh, they've got a reasonable amount of debt but a manageable amount um, and we think that uh, what will happen is uh, as we come out of it the business will be intact you know, this is the idea of training Asian students to come to English schools. It's not going to change. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. And they've got competitors, sure. Um, but we think that will come back really well. It depends on how much pain you're willing to stand. Right. So if you look at it on a five-year horizon, which is what we try to do, yeah. now it's hard to do yeah. sometimes. Yeah. You'd say, well, they've been growing their earnings at 20% a year consistently yeah. you know, with very high stability. That's excellent. So what's going to happen next year? It's going to get smashed. Yeah. Then they're going to go back to an accelerated growth path when we go into catch-up phase. We, how long is that period going to be? You know, is it going to be one year, two years, three years, four years? Sure. It could be yep. before they get back to where they were and then everything's cool. So on a five-year horizon, if you buy it well enough now, then you're fine. The trouble is at the moment, it's still on a 43 PE. Right. So there's no way I would pay a 43 PE uh, yep. for this company now. I think it's a quality company. I'd be happy to own it. But for me, it would have to come down to, because I'd have to assume zero innings. Right. for at least a couple of years. And if I do that, I'd say, well, I'd be wanting to buy this in the sort of teens. Not forty, right? Okay. Now, could that happen? Absolutely. Yep. If it doesn't, yep. I won't buy it. And and it's one of those things where we're starting to see, particularly in the US overnight. Yeah. Everyone's talked about how bad things are, are going to be over the next six months, and but when figures hit, the market has a conniption, and you go, well, you're talking about how bad it was. Um, bank earnings, quarterly earnings overnight yeah. in the US, a couple of them, there was a 50% decrease. Well, yeah. we all expected that. But, yeah. but on the announcement, everyone goes, oh, hell, what's happened here? Yeah. And they get caned. That's right. That's right. But I think 
the way we look at it, Team Invest, we think this is probably going to be the best buying opportunity in our history. Right. At least wow. the last decade and maybe a lot better than that. So yeah. you've got to be patient. Yeah. So yes, you want to buy good businesses and I think this is a good business. Yeah. Um, but you've got to buy it well because that's what gives you the ultimate return. So when it comes back, yeah. you know, if you bought it at an absolute screaming bargain price, that's how you get the big gains. Yeah, yeah. Um, so not at 43 PE. Right. So okay. this is an absolute yes, but much cheaper. I... Yeah, Julia? Kosha, I think the risks really are building here. I mean, if, if you think about education and private education and overseas education, it really does become a luxury when people are losing jobs and industries are coming under pressure. So if your household income is coming under pressure, if the major breadwinner in your household has lost a job or the value yeah. of the businesses that you're running are decreasing, your asset values are falling, well, you'd have to think that things like private education and especially an overseas education, which is pretty pricey, that's going to come under a, a bit of pressure that you'd probably choose to educate domestically. So, look, I think the risks are rising rather than falling for IDP education. I'd be steering well clear until there's a clearer path for growth. Okay. Interestingly, when we did our risk assessment, the number one risk we had was economic downturn due to pandemic. Oh, Seriously. You September. did not. Show me in black and white. I can tell you, it does actually say that. <laughs> How did you pick that? Well, we, pandemics become, you know, ever since we saw the Bill Gates thing a couple right. of years ago, right. it is an issue. It's a risk, but it's a, it's a, it's a low probability, high damage risk. Right. But okay. this sort of business gets particularly damaged by damage it. Damaged by it. Okay. Yeah, that's the point. Right. You weren't watching Contagion, the Hollywood movie at the time. <laughs> Don't tell me that was part of your research. No, not, not officially, no. <laughs> All right, so I know on IDP Education, uh, well-run company, but uh, you know, just the, what the implications swirling around the globe at the moment make it a no. Um, third stock, uh, completely different, Tab Corp Holdings, of course, into gambling, entertainment, lotteries. Chief Executive David Attenborough, no relation to the famous name. Uh, what do you reckon, Mark, on Tab Corp? Yes, so TAH, isn't it? TAH. Um, it's not a company that we've, Team Invest has ever been interested in. Right. Uh, we, we, we don't, we're agnostic to what companies do and what, what the sectors they're in, but right. members vote. We're d democratic, so members vote on what we do work on. Gambling never gets up. Right. So it doesn't mean, you know, it doesn't mean we're judging because we're not. But that's the, the bulk of members don't want to put effort into it. Yep. Having said that, uh, its earnings have been in decline. So it's got a, uh, this is before the pandemic, remember. So right. this is up till December. Yep. So no issue with what's happened with uh, COVID-19. But their earnings have been flat to down over, they used to be 40 cents a share back in um, 2015. Now they're 20 cents, so they're half yeah. what they were. That's not good. Um, the uh, debt is not bad, it's 51%. Uh, return on equity, five. Now, right. return on equity is important because if you look at their history, they haven't had many years where it's been above 10. Right. And the reason we treat that return on equity as a bit of a speed limit. Uh, in the long term, on an equivalent PE ratio, so assuming taking market sentiment out of it, uh, return on equity is the speed limit of what you can get as a return. Right. So if a company's making 5% return on equity, then that does, you, can't really get, you can't get a higher return than that, sure. unless it's by capital gain, but the market sentiment. So it fails on that as well, so we would right. never touch it. Okay, all right. Uh, Julia, your view on Tabcorp? The pros of the Tab Corp is that we're all at home feeling pretty bored and uh, things like home entertainment and I guess gambling, online gambling especially, are going up. So the entertainment space 
is seeing growth through COVID-19. The problem with Tabcorp is its bricks and mortar. It's got its uh, Tabcorp stores, mm-hmm. and that's where its core user base is. Um, it's in uh, things like horse racing as well as greyhound racing and live sports. Live sports is off the table at the moment. They're still racing as well as greyhound racing. So, look, that that makes up around about one-third of its earnings. Um, but unfortunately, it's a bricks-and-mortar part which would be bringing it down. It does have a pretty stable uh, user base. So they would be probably migrating online. And unfortunately, as soon as you migrate to that online space, there's a lot more competition out yes. there. So, look... Probably neutral on Tabcorp, given that on one hand, you are seeing probably growth in terms of uh, things like race betting, but on the flip side, on the online space, there's a bit more competition there. Yeah, and uh, Julia, competition that's uh, global as as well, isn't it? That there are some massive global uh, betting agencies now online that are basically gamifying betting for, for a millennial generation. Absolutely. It is pretty uh, competitive once you go online and there doesn't tend to be borders. Here in Australia, we tend to be quite strict, but it does get quite difficult to regulate uh, some of those uh, uh, companies coming from offshore. The other area is lotteries, which is involved. it's involved in. And this is also interesting given the long-term uh, leases, I guess, you get on these lotteries state by state. And that provides a stable cash flow. But once again, news agents coming under pressure. So probably good news for a company like Jumbo Interactive that has yeah. the right yes. to sell those lotteries online. However, it's the bricks and mortar part of Tabcorp's business, which would be the problem in this type of environment. Yeah. We, uh, we had, had Jumbo um, as part of the call last week um, and tended to get rave reviews from yeah, we uh, like the it. panel. You know? yeah. yeah, why? Uh, so oh, Jumbo is a better alternative. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's capital light. Right. Exactly what Julia said. They don't have any of that overhead that uh, Tabcorp have. And, right. you know, they're growing very strongly. So, yeah. And they can grow without spending, leading a lot of capital, which is very desirable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And quite innovative as mm. well, aren't they? Yep. Okay, so Jumbo probably uh, a better bet there, so to speak, than uh, Tabcorp <laughs> in the share market. Um, the full stop. Now, Julia, I didn't know much about this one. Rectifier Technologies, uh, it's sort of in the electric vehicle sort of supply distribution of parts, are they? They look at the distribution of parts and things to do with uh, electric vehicle charging and uh, potentially a new product where perhaps you can return energy back to the grid as well. So they're developing a technology there. You'd have to think that with car dealers not selling any cars at the moment, that things would be on hold here in terms of the electric vehicle journey. what has been a positive for it in the past, uh, different countries um, looking at electric vehicle targets. So Britain was the latest to announce an electric vehicle target that new car sales would be all yeah. electric vehicles by 2035. Um, and things like that are good news. But unfortunately, I think the COVID-19 is going to mean that electric vehicle journey is put on hold for around about two years. And that has implications not only for electric vehicle manufacturers, but also the lithium space as well. So instead of seeing a, a big uptake in 2021, I think you have to look out to 2022 to 2023. Okay. All right. So put on hold at the moment. But um, what do you reckon, Mark? Rectify well, it, it is a tiddler. It's only yeah. got a 40 million market cap. Yeah. And it's, it's very illiquid. Small. It looks like there's days where there's no trading at all. Yeah. 
Um, so that's an issue. And its earnings are only uh, 0.2 of 1%, 1 cent per right. share. So right. 0.2 of a cent. And they were zero in 2018, zero in 17, and 0 0.001 in 16. So, you know, this is, this is really, really it's small. A, this is the definition of minnow. Well, it is. Exactly. Now, I've read, I read a little bit about it. I'd never heard of it. Yeah. And just reading about it now, they, they actually do, it's not the actual vehicles that they do, it's the uh, charging stations yes. and so yeah. on. So it's the industrial side of it, actually, which is probably a safer area to be in. And they've got a Singapore and Malaysian operation yeah. that they're doing that, and they have some contracts and so on. So you'd really, to, to be able to have a, an opinion on this company, you'd really need to go and read up about it, study it, read down your reports, you know, find out the story. You'd have to, you'd have to buy the story, right? Whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Just looking at the numbers, um, it's got, uh, you know, it's only had one year that it passes return on equity, but it jumped up to twenty nine percent. So you know, maybe it's the start of good things to come. I have no idea. Okay. All right. Okay. A small one. Um, you probably need almost a personal connection or a, or a love or an interest in that. Electric car, yeah, and you'd want to know sort of industry going. You'd forward. want to know what founders there are. They still got yeah. skin in the game. It's all, all those things you really need to understand yeah. their business in detail. But tiny business, and then you'd have to be willing to accept the fact that you, if you do buy into it, you're not going to be able to get out. Right. Okay. So you really what you're really going to assume is you're in for the long haul. You're not saying it's not a trading business. I would. Yeah. I'm not not on the, not not that I know anything about trading. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but it's not something I don't think you could trade. It's just too small. But if you invest in it and it then it does well, then obviously you know you could have fabulous right, returns. The leverage. Yeah. Don't yeah. Know. Okay. All right. Our fifth stock, uh, Invocare. Um, it's been um, in the news a bit over over recent weeks with chain lockdown rules with funerals. Invocare, uh, one of the biggest funeral home cemeteries, crematorium businesses globally. Um, Julia, you you follow Invocare fairly closely, don't you? This is a pretty morbid one. I was actually in this stock but jumped out in February. Um, I guess with COVID-19, this is all around our death rates. And initially, we did see a big impact in terms of China. Um, but I guess as uh, our COVID-19 journey has unfolded and we have the lockdowns, what's happened with our funerals is that you know they're very small if you can have them at all. So here in <laughs> Australia, they're limited to 10 people. In New Zealand, uh, no people. So really funerals are moving online as well. And if you have a look at Invocare, the value add from for a company like Invocare comes from the death rate. So if you see a larger than expected death rate. Secondly, it's how much money people spend in terms of funerals. Funerals mm. have become celebrations where you gather friends and family. The more people, the more catering there is and the yeah. more elaborate that, that it becomes. And then thirdly, any sort of acquisition, so that roll-up model. You'd have to say the acquisitions on, are on hold, the catering's on hold. And, and look, given that, Pretty much, I think everyone is going to be probably getting the flu injection this year. We could even see a fall in the death rate rather than a rise, mm. uh, given the social distancing as well as the vaccination that we're probably going to see. Yeah, I was talking to um, one of the deputy chief medical officers um, just yesterday on this because there's a report that came out and said, uh, if you get your flu injection now, uh, you may need a top up a bit later in the season when the peak is uh, August, September. Um, he said no, and they're already seeing a major decline in the flu rate in Australia because of social distancing and because we're washing our hands <laughs> so <And> much. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, it's going to work. So, so uh, we're not getting pressure from normal flu, but we've got to be scared about COVID-19. And Julia, was in no care of the company, I was reading about uh, about six, six or nine months ago who were going for liquor licences for their funeral homes because, as you were saying, funerals are turning into celebrations. <laughs> so they were... They were, they, I think they did a raise so they could change their funeral homes more into, into bars and, and, and a party atmosphere. Yeah, well, um, they, they were the, the ones going for the liquor licence. And look, um, you know, I'm at that age where I've started to go to a few funerals and usually there's a drink or two somewhere else. But if you could do it at the venue, um, I guess this is called vertical yep. integration on the, uh, the part of InvoCare. Um, so, look, I think um, just with COVID-19, it's a pretty challenging yep. industry. Longer term, I will say that this is a pretty stable industry to, to be in. Generally, what you see is if you see a low death rate, uh, one, then you see payback in uh, future years. <laughs> a bit more than <laughs> You've just got to wait a bit longer. All right. Yeah. So it's a no for InvoCare. Oh, um, six on our list. Um, look, I had to look this one up, Julia. A fascinating business, Advanced Nanotech, came out of the University of WA, was backed by Samsung in a joint venture for a while. Uh, an advanced materials group. Um, what do you think of them? I don't know too much about uh, this company, but I do know that they are in zinc oxide. And zinc oxide is the colour white, whether you use it in paint or zinc on your nose or in makeup. Um, so that's where most of its revenue comes from. Uh, it was in suspension for a while. They came out with a really strange announcement um, that. Um, that they were looking at developing a product that was in the area of oral care that killed COVID-19 and the shares promptly got shut down and put into suspension by the ASX. They, they have since uh, restarted trading, but um, I'd have to say the credibility of this company has probably gone down a fair bit since that announcement. So I'd probably mm. be steering a bit clear of this one, even though their core product is zinc oxide. It's just a bit strange from a strategic point of view. Julia, you are always so polite. <laughs> I love it. But we can, we, can, we can understand the nuance of your words there. Mark, what do you think? Uh, no, we know this business very well. We've actually done ah. a, lot, a, lot, a lot of work on it. There you go. Um, and Great. one of the directors is a member of ours as well. Ah. Uh, you'd think that would buy us to like it. It doesn't. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. so anyway. Um, I was going to say, whoops, Julia, you may have put your foot in it. But, um, so the backstory right? was it came out of a university yes. type thing. And then what happened was it was losing money, losing money. And then there's a guy called Lev Mc... Sorry, what's his name? Uh, Mirakoski. Mirakoski. He's right. Mirakoski. Yeah. Um, and a few of his friends came in and bought it, fired eight, 17 of the 18 people who worked there, and then turned it into a marketing company. And what they're doing is they're selling uh, very fine particles of zinc oxide, right. which is in a bit of a boom. And the reason it's a boom, in a boom yeah. is titanium oxide, which was used in sunscreen products, has been uh, shown to cause cancer and damage right. the reefs and so on. So like Hawaii's banned, it's been banned all over the place. Yeah. So suddenly there's a big increase in demand for zinc oxide as a, uh, in sunks, and they are in the right place at the right time, which they admit. Wow. So it's a very, it's a small, it's not, it's, it's, not, so, it's not so much that it's small, it's market cap's about 250 million, right. but it's run like a uh, golf club partnership of mates. Oh, you know, oh okay. And, and uh, you know, even that announcement they came out with, as uh, Julia said about the, um, 
uh, that they had some, you know, working on some cure for corona. I mean, I'm not surprised. Right. We'd failed it uh, well before that. Right. Uh, a couple of things. The enormous number of related party transactions. Right. So they have all these companies, like even the, the, the accountants and so on, who is his mate, and he does his books and they do his. And it's, right. it's, a, it's, a, it's a web of related party transactions. Right. Uh, get doesn't get paid much. So he's, he's, getting, he's making his money out of shares, which we like. So there's massive skin in the game. And they're in an enormous growth area. Their earnings are growing at about 200% a year, right. which is why we liked it. Ah. So it looks great, uh, but we just couldn't get over the uh, governance type issues. Right. And what absolutely killed it was uh, the F19 uh, report. The auditors did a qualified report saying, the quote, well, more or less quote, uh, they, couldn't, uh, they couldn't be certain that stock wasn't being counted twice. Oh, okay. Right. Now, for an auditor to say that, now obviously they're not the auditor anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's like saying, yeah, what are, you, what are they actually saying when they right. say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. like it's something going they're, on. They're with shifting the books. from there to then recounting right. it or something. You know, it, was, it was pretty bad. Ah. So we, we just went, basically, we failed it on the, uh, or basically on all the trust issues of management. I'm not saying um, uh, they're, they're crooks, I'm just saying the way they run it, they sh- it should be a private company. Right. Because okay. if you're going to be listed and, and work under the ASX rules, you've got to yeah. do things. Yeah, to a reasonable degree, you can still be uh, yeah, out there a bit. Has got involved with it? I uh, don't know. Um, since then, I haven't looked at it. Right. Interesting, though, and this is why I, I love doing the call, because you look at the background, you go, oh, out of the University of WA. Yeah. Oh, you know, Samsung joint venture yeah. in the early days. Yes, it must have a pedigree, but then it's almost completely changed its spots in terms yeah. and become... A marketing organisation with, oh, it's, with it's a, absolutely a with marketing organisation with a bunch of mates for yeah. this fine white powder. And he even made it. I saw some comment he made recently on the media. who was complaining about the ASX and saying maybe they'll shift their listing to the Nasdaq. Oh right, you okay. Know, I mean, just go, you see what I mean? It's like right. uh, you know, yeah, it's a, you're treating us badly. We're out of here. A bit, a bit too sharp. I think so. Right. Okay. All right. It's a great story behind it though, mm. and how these companies and stocks really develop. You've got to look behind them. And that's why we have uh, Mark Morland from Team Invest and Julia Lee from Berman Invest to, uh, to do that for us and uh, bring out the, the good, the bad and the ugly on all of the stocks. Um, okay, the next one is um, a lot bigger um, and um, I think a lot more institutional. Uh, Blackmore's the health supplements group founded by uh, Marcos Blackmore, one of the, the great Australians. His father, actually. Yeah, his, his father. father. Yeah. Was he Marcus as well? Yeah, I think he was. Oh, yeah, he yeah. So <laughs> continued on, on the name. Um, big Northern Beaches uh, family of Sydney, and that, that's where they have the warehouse and the, and the factory. Um, Mark, what do you think of Blackmores? Um, well, Team so, Invest, I'll give you Team Invest's opinion right, of Blackmores. Okay. <laughs> yep. so, Good. Because um, I'm sort of right off it these days, but right. uh, Howard still has faith, but he, it's getting hard. He's, he's, he's hanging on by his right. fingertips. Okay. And really, we, we've been involved in Blackmore since 2015, right. uh, when it was $24. And yeah. uh, Howard argued at the time that it was a bargain because the, market, the share price had come off quite heavily because of, uh, because of uh, Swiss in the market. Remember yep. Swiss came yeah, in, yeah, it was funded yeah, by yeah, private equity. Yeah. So Blackmore's became a bargain. You yeah. know, it was under, it, a market overreacts. New competitor, yeah. new shiny object. <laughs> you know, yeah. everyone likes that. Yeah. Uh, usual thing. Yeah. And he bought a lot. And he argued around the country that was the right move. Uh, quite a lot of our members did buy into it at that stage. 
They didn't all keep it until it went up to 220. Right. He kept it all the way up to 220 and then all, he still got it. So right. it's back oh, at okay. 70. Right. So he's still happy. I mean, um, yeah, but still well the, the issues really go come to management. And what happened was when uh, Christine Holgate left and we knew her really well, yes. we had her in seven times uh, to uh, discuss the company with members right. uh, over her career. Yep. And we had enormous confidence in her. It was now... Australia Post. Australia yeah. Post. Yeah. Chief so, and that was Australia like, what? Doing you know, well. So she walked out, she stepped out yeah. in a big hurry. Um, and then uh, they brought in, um, uh, who came in then? Um, the COO went in as yeah. CEO. We met him and uh, he seemed like, he wasn't entrepreneurial and strategic like she was, yeah. but he was more operational. And we thought, oh, well, yeah, they've got the business going well in Asia now. And the fascinating journey that Mark's just outlined, Julia. What, what do you think of Blackmores? <laughs> I think the problem is that most products, when you don't have a patent or a special way of doing something, it becomes yeah. a commodity. And that's what vitamins basically have become. When you go to the pharmacy and you're choosing between Blackmore, Swiss or some other brand, it's usually just down to price as well oh. as the volume that you're getting in the product. And so, look, the area of vitamins has very much become commoditized, which means that competition is important. And Swiss has been doing a much greater, better job of advertising around Asia, which is seen as a big growth market. The other thing is that, look, product registration for China, this is where it really started to come undone for Blackmores and really curtailed uh, its ability to distribute into China. So at the moment, strategically, it's looking for a Chinese partner. But given that the brand is pretty well known in China, I'm not sure what it's going to do to materially help its earnings there. So look, I think vitamins is a commoditized area. It is about marketing. And I think Swiss is a strong competitor, which means that a lot of these sales are on the back mm. of discounting, which isn't a great model to have. So I'd probably avoid that. Yeah. Even in the area of vitamin C, Swiss is doing much better and is stronger. Yeah. Uh, Mark, at the do you agree with the uh, with the brand comment? No, I don't agree. I agree. I agree that commodity. I agree that there is a commodity factor in vitamins. That's true. Yeah. But brands are really important, and it goes to whether you get selection. I don't think it's some people buy on price, as Julia yeah. um, said, but there's a hell of a lot of people who don't, yeah. and that absolutely buy the uh, brands. Uh, like my wife will buy Bioceuticals, which is owned by Blackmores, right. and they've got a very strong following, a very strong brand, and their earnings have been growing solidly. Oh. I think the challenge in China and so on is the fact that Blackmores and Swiss are quite small. Yep. Uh, if you look at the overall vitamin market, is they're, they're, they're minnows in, in the market. It's a massive market. Yep. I think it's 2,000 suppliers of vitamins in different, different brands in China. Yep. But Blackmores is holding their own and growing. What Blackmores did originally was they uh, got Lee Na, the tennis player, yes. uh, who That's approached right. them you know, to uh, promote their uh, anti-arthritic cream because it helped to play on. That's what they took off. Right, and then there was another actress, uh, someone Bing 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 Bing, uh, uh, who got into tax problems. Oh last yeah, later year, wasn't she? And well, Swiss Swiss are smart. So what they've done is they've <laughs> grabbed them now, and they're paying they're paying <clears throat> more. So Swiss is using Blackmore's strategy, using uh, right. endorsement. But right. but I think the bottom line is they've got very strong brands, and um, uh, they are operating in a commodity market. Uh, but that's how you, the only way to survive in a commodity market is to be the absolute cheapest, yep. or be a premium brand, with, premium brand which people will pay for. And, and get an influencer involved. Did I have the right a, uh, actress there, Julia? <clears throat> I have no idea. Um, but look, I think when you look at commoditized products, baby formula is a, a very good example where you can get a really strong following and also charge a premium for a premium product. So if you were looking for that China growth, 
looking at that food area, I'd much prefer something like A2 milk or even bubs, which is really benefiting from that surging growth that they've seen. And I guess people wanting to have that emotional connection of safety when they're feeding their child. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay, uh, so no for Blackmores. Next one into the, the commercial property development area, warehouses, logistics facilities, business parks. Uh, Julia, what's your view on Goodman Group? I like it. Um, it's probably my top pick in that real estate investment, uh, real estate uh, trust space, given that we are seeing so many uh, landowners coming under pressure because of things like rent relief. Goodman Group is one that's benefiting from the situation at the moment, and it is that structural trend of uh, bricks to clicks that it's been benefiting from, the warehousing, the logistics that has been increasing. I guess one thing to watch out for here is that if we do see conditions in the financial markets become worse and we do see a credit crunch, then we could see negative implications for Goodman Group because a big part of its business is still the funds management and the development part as well. So, But for the time being, looking good for that property space. I much prefer it to things like shopping centres, large shopping centres like the Unibail uh, Westfields of the world. And this would probably be my mm. top three picks in that real estate investment trust space. Uh, uh, even at this price, uh, just over 13 bucks. Once again, when it comes to uh, multiples and valuations, you have to look at it in conjunction with uh, the growth that's going to come from that. Because look, if you have a company that has a PE ratio of, of 100, but you know sees profit growth of 200%, then it's gonna look cheap in year two if the price does nothing. So you have to look at, at it together with the growth. The PE ratio really becomes a problem when those growth rates that are built into the stock price don't eventuate. Mm. If you continue to see that structural trend and you continue to see that strong growth coming through for Goodman Group, then it should continue to grow. Okay. Uh, Mark? Um, I agree with all that. I mean, Goodman Group passes um, our filters at Team Invest. Uh, we, we voted it down in what we call a triage when we review the market twice a year. Um, it's actually not expensive. Uh, the current growth is running at 15% a year yeah. with quite good stability, which if they can maintain that, uh, the P ratio of 17 is not bad. Yep. So uh, Julia's right in what she's saying. One of the things to be aware of, be aware of with these companies though is when they revalue their uh, property assets, it comes into the P&L, so it's not a cash profit. Right. And it's very, I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong, but it also, it gives them a, as property right prices are rising, it gives them a, a, a strong well, growth in earnings. But of course, if it goes the other way, yep. uh, which it could easily do as a consequence of coronavirus. So if we were right. in a normal situation now with no coronavirus and everything was just continuing on, this is a very well diversified, internationally well-run property group. And it's, it's not expensive. We're showing it returning 16% per year if it can maintain its EPS growth rate right. for five okay. years. Yeah. The question is, will it? And yeah. I have no idea. Right. Uh, yes, I agree they're not as um, susceptible to harm as, say, a centre group or uh, you know, someone who's involved in um, direct retail and shopping centres. Uh, but property could easily, uh, the cap rates could change dramatically right. through this process. Yeah. They could. So there's a risk factor in that. That's all I'd say. Right. Okay. So take that risk factor on. If you're happy with that risk factor, then it's a good company. Right. Okay. All right. So uh, a tick from Julia, probably a half tick from yep. Mark, understanding the risk behind it. Uh, Julia, last uh, uh, yesterday on the call, we looked at REA. Um, our viewers are, are wanting a, a view on car sales today. The the online car, well, not just car anymore, uh, boats, motorbikes, 
marketplace, not only here in Australia, but, uh, but overseas as well. I mean, car sales, uh, Seek, REA, you can probably all put them in the same basket in that they're the best of breed in terms of online classifieds in their area. And look, for car sales, it's not just growth in Australia, but outside of Australia, which has been really exciting as well. Obviously, through COVID-19, it's going to curtail their business, um, mainly because of the advertising site. This is an online media business, and a lot of its uh, revenue comes from car dealerships. So given that car mm. dealerships are shut down here in Australia and around the globe, pretty much at the moment means that they're going to be in hibernation for the next nine to 12 months. But if you can pick these up at a cheap level, the best of breed does tend to do well. And look, online is the way it's going to be. So look, car sales, REA group, as well as a seek, um, I think there'll be significant opportunities over the next 12 months to accumulate for the longer term. Okay, so a no at $14, what would it need to get down to where it would become attractive to? Look, I think I'd be waiting to see, um, I guess, some of the falls in terms of the jobs market, because if you have a look at car purchases, they do tend to be more discretionary. So if you ha we have a look at cycles and the unemployment rate, although it didn't tick up today, will most likely <laughs> tick up over the next six months, which means that, look, there's no rush to get into this business. And if you do see a capital raising, I think that would be the time to get in um, at the capital raising if you can, or just shortly after. Okay, Mark? Uh, yes, an interesting business. Uh, Team Invest have covered it for a long time. Yep. Uh, I just had a look. The last time we did a detailed analysis was last October, yep. so well before Corona. Um, the only the negative with it is that over the last few years, the earnings have dropped right off the growth rate. So this was a growth company. And then what they did is, which is what a lot of them have to do, uh, once they uh, maximise the Australian market and they become market leaders, you've got yep. to go overseas. And you go overseas. Where have they gone? Korea, Mexico. Yep. Yep. And, then, and then you pay, you buy a local player yep. uh, who typically doesn't make any money. Yeah. And then you kiss it and you know put all your smarts into it and make it all work. That's yeah. the idea. So whenever they buy something, it increases their intangible assets uh, enormously and their and often their debt because they're often borrowing money, but buying borrowing money to do it. So their earnings have sort of flattened off over the time anyway before yeah. before coronavirus came in, and the main business is still Australia. And the way they make their money is not advertising. Some people don't understand it, but their primary revenue is through commissions to. Uh, uh, used car dealers yes. primarily. Yeah. So every time you go and look on the site and you say, yes, put me in touch with the dealer, I think it's $62 now. Yeah. You know, ding. Now that market at the moment has been strangled. So the dealers would all be pulling back big time as far as uh, not yeah. wanting to be paying a lot of um, commissions. So what the small dealers do, which is a big part of their business, is they uh, get a couple of leads and then put the price up because you've got to be on the front page to get you know, yes. someone to want to buy it or yeah, all things being equal. Which is where that sort of advertising yeah. concept yeah, so comes. So it's a lead generation. Yeah, and then a, once I've a got premium. a couple of leads, I want to work them first and try and sell the car to them. Yeah. And then if I can't sell the car to them and I give up on them and I'll put the price down again yeah. and get a couple more leads. Yeah. But you don't want 20 leads no. or 30 leads because you're paying all this money for it. So I would say uh, this market's going to be very, very negative for car sales. Right. Um, how long for, don't know. Yeah. Uh, Price-wise, um, the only other big negative with it, by the way, is apart from what I just said, is their debt. They've got 150% uh, debt to equity, which is quite high. Yeah. Um, and it's always it's way above our limits. We have a 75% max right. uh, cutoff limit. Okay. So it technically fails uh, on debt. Now, what that means, though, is if they have to do, if they want to raise any more debt, um, you know, that may be challenging. Right. This is where, you know, in a time like a, tri a crisis like the coronavirus, 
if I need to borrow money to keep the business going, you go to the bank and if you've got no debt at all, you're in a hell of a yep. lot better shape than you've got 150% yep. debt to equity. Yep. So yep. they'll probably have to do a uh, rights issue or replacement. Yep. Now, if they do that, as Julia said, it's going to be at a lot lower price than $14. Right. Okay. Uh, it's already been down as low as nine recently. Mm. Uh, and that's a PE of 25. That's still a rich PE considering that their EPS growth is running at 7%. Yep. And they've got a very uh, a, a negative impact on the business over the next at least six months, probably. Yeah, maybe, long, maybe longer. Uh, you could, Julia, um, argue that they're also in the used car space as well. And, That's a big part of it. But yeah, because of the economy we're going to go through, used cars may be a better opportunity than the new cars, and they're well placed for it. Yeah, but I also think we're not driving much at the moment. So you're probably no, going to get like an extra one anything. or two years out of your car, which means yeah. probably less, less turnover happening there as well. In fact, it's, it's fascinating seeing some of the car accident statistics coming out of the US. Car accidents are way down yeah. because no one's driving on the road. So it's not just toll roads that are impacted by the lockdown, but car accidents, the need for blood, it's all interrelated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and interestingly, the, uh, the car market has been in a long-term uh, downward trend. Yes. I've got a friend who's a dealer, yeah. and he was telling me before coronavirus yeah. that there was 30 months straight where total number of EU registrations was dropping yeah. every month. Yeah. Now, so, so it was in, is in decline before yep. we had this yep. absolutely. Um, as well. All right. Uh, our final stock, Julia, um, Integral Diagnostics, IDX, uh, provides diagnostic imaging systems in the healthcare sector. What's your view? Well, you know, elective surgeries are on hold for the time being. So this business is basically in shutdown mode. The good news is that it does have a lot of cash and undrawn facilities. So I think at the end of March, you had something like a $60 million worth of cash, and it's got also $75 million worth of undrawn uh, debt facilities. The net, next debt maturity, which is important in this type of environment, is at the end of next year. So there's a, a long time frame as well. So it's in a good place to go into a hibernation. And this one, I think, is short-term pain, but long-term gain. So, you know, mm. we're still going to need imaging. We're still going to be breaking our bones um, when, mm. when COVID-19 uh, passes and the lockdowns pass. So, look, I think this is one um, that if you can get it uh, during the next six months, it's looking good. Just don't expect it to do anything um, while yeah. is it is it a well-run business? Good executive yeah. team? Look, this is one that has been a, a little bit bumpy, but I guess at the prices that we're seeing now, it means that bargain hunting is happening. And it is in an area that is very stable. When you look at the healthcare space and when you look at imaging, it's a, a pretty um, stable space to be in and we're still yeah. going to need those type of services. Um, I guess the other thing that's related to this area is private health insurance, which is also an interesting space, given that we're not going to be claiming much through our insurers while we're in lockdown. Mm. We can't really go to the dentist unless it's an emergency. We can't get imaging. We can't really go and get acupuncture or massages or the extras either. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see whether we do see a drop-off in the number of people mm. at those insurers and whether that drop-off continues after COVID-19 passes. So in the area of insurance, it's probably the opposite where it's short-term gain and long-term pain. Yeah. Interesting. We had the chief executive of NIB uh, on Ausbiz last week who's, uh, who was backing up exactly 
what you were saying, their claims are well down. Yeah. They're even thinking of, um, of giving their customers rebates uh, on their on their premiums. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's Mark, the way it's going Mark through. Marcus Gibbons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, know, we know him well. Yeah, really good yeah. guy. Um, Matt, what do you think uh, of uh, I, I, I basically concur with what um, uh, Julia said. The, uh, we've only got four years history you know, full with this company, so yeah, it just, just comes in on that. Right. Um, EPS growth has been, has been quite solid, so it's 95% stable in sales and 99% stable, which you'd expect for a business like this. But it is, I, 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 my assumption is it's a roll-up, yeah. you know, so they've bought uh, lots of uh, radiology businesses to grow because they've got lots of different brands. Yeah. Uh, and so on, which is fine, um, yeah. but you've got to be careful and uh, watch the, uh, the debt levels. Uh, Julie is talking about uh, reserve cash and undrawn facilities. We're harsher than that. We actually don't count the extra cash and we look at what their uh, facilities are if they're fully drawn. <laughs> we said right. that's at 109. Right. Uh, having said that, um, we're showing it returning 22% a year now at 18 uh, PE, which is on a $2.84 price yesterday, right. which is pretty good. Yep. So yep. It, I agree, it's not going anywhere. You know, yep. Diagnostic uh, uh, needs aren't going to go away sure. at all. Uh, one of those stocks, as Julia was saying, if you if you get a pullback in the market, as you were talking about at the top yep. of the show, yep. it could be an interesting one. Well, if you look at, at it, it, just in this last few weeks, you know, with COVID, yeah. it, the low has been $1.78 with an 11 PE. Right. Now, 11 PE for a company with 20% um, uh, EPS growth, taking out a, a, a fairly short period where it's going to be uh, impacted negatively is very, yeah. very cheap. Yeah. So just for, for what I would suggest mem- uh, viewers do is if they want to, if you want to buy a company like this, yeah. have a look at that and see, okay, what's it done this, in this current situation? And as a starting position, I reckon I would be saying if I wanted to buy it, I'd want to buy it down there, you know, like at the dollar seventy, or where right. it's already been, or maybe even lower. Because well, there's a good chance much. it'll go low, way right. under. Yeah. Put a put an order in. Yeah. At that price, yeah. and they just let it ride. So you don't buy it unless it's a mm. screaming bargain. Yeah. And if it, it if it, it doesn't happen, so what? Yeah. That's the way. It's right. Great to have you, Mark Morlin from uh, Team Invest Private. Thank team you. Invest, not Team Invest Private. Just Team Invest. Team Invest. <laughs> yeah. um, Team Private's a listed company that we spun off. Oh, yeah, private equity. Okay. Private All equity. Right. Uh, and Julia Berman from uh, Julia Lee rather from Berman Invest. Always great to catch up, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Koshi. Good to see you. That's it for the call for today. Between each and every trading day between twelve and one pm, you send us the stocks. We put them to our experts. And if you want to send through some suggestions, the call at osbiz.com.au or through Twitter, and that's our handle there at TV. See you same time tomorrow. In the meantime, after the break, The Pulse. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.